is Tobin Heath for United. Takes a shot. Tobin Heath, what a goal! Tobin Heath looking to shoot from deep. Hits one! It's a brilliant strike from Tobin Heath. Into the area again here. Tobin Heath looking for her second and she's found it. And it's goal number six now for Manchester United. Well, that's given away and here's Heath with a chance to pull the trigger. And she capitalises on the mistake. Powerful finish. And she only needed one chance. Hello and welcome to another Manchester United podcast. I'm Helen Evans. I'm joined by my co-host David May. Just the two of us. I was going to sing that, but I'm not. Just the two of us. Because I knew you would. How are you, mate? I'm good. How are you? All good. All good. Looking forward to this one today. I am as well. One amazing superstar. Mm -hmm. Absolute superstar. It is, of course, Tobin Heath. Yes. Huge, huge signing for Manchester United at the start of the season. I mean, the accolades that she has, Maisie, is absolutely incredible. Unbelievable. Yeah. What she's not won is not worth winning. What a journey. What a journey. Mm-hmm. Incredible. I mean, represent your country in the Olympics, playing in the World Cups, go over to Paris, play for PSG, back to America, and now she's back over in Europe at the greatest club in the world. US Soccer Female Athlete of the Year. She was also named in the FIFA Women's World Eleven only last year. You know, it's not just the trophies that she has won. <sighs> no. Well, when you, I think when you play, in, play for the US, USA and they've got so many good players... Mm-hmm. You must be an unbelievable player to get them accolades. The impact that she's made at the club in such a short period of time is probably no surprise, really, off and on the pitch. I mean, what's it like to have somebody from her stature coming to Manchester United? And what would you compare that to, I suppose? Well, I'll tell you what, the most recent would be Bruno. Mm-hmm. He has sort of like ignited Manchester United back to where Manchester United should be. Looking at United's team now... 12 months ago without Bruno. That's exactly what Tobin's done. She's actually transformed. She's she's made players better players. Mm-hmm. And for a player to do that is is quite remarkable. She has upped everybody's game 10%, 20%. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've heard that from some of her teammates themselves saying that the impact she has made has been incredible. So I'm looking forward to this one, Maisie. So here she is at Lee Sports Village, Tobin Heath. Tobin, welcome to the Manchester United podcast. How are you? Great, how are you? Yes, good, thank you. What has your day been like today? Tell everybody what you've been doing. I can see you're at the ground. Have you been training today? Um, so I'm out injured, unfortunately, but um, we today's our double day. So I had um, a morning session and in between sessions now and we have our afternoon session following this. How do double days compare to normal days? Are they tough? Um, they're long, I would say. Um, but yeah, they're they're pretty tough. It's like when we get our high load in, both on and off the field. Um, we have two double days a week. So on um, Wednesdays, it's it's our highest intensity, and then again on on Fridays we have a double day, but it's a little bit lower. A double day before a game. Well, it depends. Like we're playing on Sunday. Sunday, so okay. yeah. How has life been for you since you arrived in Manchester? Obviously, usually when people move to a new country, you have time to go and soak up the atmosphere, see the city, see the suburbs, whatever it may be. For you, life was very different coming here. What What's the last few months been like for you? 
Um, yeah, I feel like I've said this over and over again, obviously, because of the circumstances, I haven't really been able to enjoy the city like most, I think, um, because of, of the times. But this is kind of the new normal. And I feel really fortunate to be able to, you know, have a job that um, forces me to be outside for a certain amount of hours. Um, and just being active and moving and doing what I love. I feel feel really fortunate to be able to, you know, play football during this time um, when, you know, so many don't necessarily have the same opportunities that, that they're used to. Have you been in Manchester before now? Um, not in, for football, yes. Um, I played here for uh, 2012 Olympics. I played in Old Trafford twice, but for for like pleasure and to understand the city. Um, as a footballer, you see a lot of the world, but it's pretty much as a hotel and a pitch. Yeah. Um, but it's been nice to kind of explore. And I feel like I've gotten to know the city, um, the ins and outs of the city pretty well. Um, it's easy to manage when there's not a lot of people around. I am going to just stop you there because you did say football and I have watched some interviews with you and I thought, I wonder, will she say football or soccer? And I'm sure this is a question you've been asked lots of times. Is football the term that you've always used as since a child? Pretty much since I could remember, I use football. And for obviously in the US, I'll say like American football for, you know, our version of, of football. Um, but but yeah, I feel like it's it's the proper way to speak. Is that because you watched a lot of European football maybe as a child? Did you do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, most of kind of the influence, um, I grew up on the East Coast, so most of my football influence came from from this country and other European countries. Um, so really familiar with that. And then obviously just by watching um, the Premier League and it's infectious. We're going to ask you about your life and growing up. So it's nice that you've touched on it. I'm going to start with your name. Quite an unusual name. Not a name we hear very much in England. Is that a popular name in America? No. no. I don't know another Tobin. <laughs> well, that's good. Good to be unique. Tell us where your name comes from. Um, it was my great-grandmother's last name. Very nice. Do you like having a unique name? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I've never had an experience with a different one. But um, I will Good say point. that. <laughs> well, I will say that I, um, yeah, I think it fits my personality. Um, I don't know which happened first, but well, I guess the name. But um, yeah, I, I like having a unique name. I'm sure there's lots of little Tobins around in America now because of you. I'm sure there will be. Yeah, <laughs> Tobin, you grew up in um, Baskin Ridge, New New Jersey. What was that like as a kid? It was awesome. Um, it, <laughs> I feel like New Jersey, I don't know like what the place is in the UK that kind of is the equivalent of New Jersey, but I think it gets like a lot of stick for, for certain things. But, but for me, I feel like I grew up like in a beautiful, a beautiful part of the country. And, you know, I feel like I had every opportunity to succeed, um, there and, you know, being right outside New York City, I felt like having that culture um, so close was was really good and, and, and fun. And then from a footballing perspective, I feel like I grew up in the best area for development in, in terms of football. Um, so, you know, like I said, you don't really get to determine that when you're born. But I feel like for for kind of like my football career, I was I was born into a pretty, pretty good place for that. Do you have any uh, brother or sisters? 
Yeah, I have two older sisters and a younger brother who I guess you're going to say if they <laughs> play football. Yeah. Uh, everyone always says that. So um, I, I think we all played when we were really, really young. It's, it's pretty common in the U.S., um, but no, they, they're definitely all athletes of different kinds, but, um, I was the only football player. Where did the love of football come from? Are your family lovers of football, your parents, grandparents? <laughs> no, um, none of the above. Um, it just really came from me. Um, I was attracted to the game at a young age and just kind of fell in love with kind of my relationship with the football and, um, I really identified from a young age with, with the sport and it's all I wanted to do. Uh, I always say, I wish I grew up in a country that has like deep rooted football, um, in that country because it was, um, well for, I would say in terms of women's sports, it's very popular in the U S but in terms of having that history, um, we don't, we're, we don't have that. Um, we have other sports that are much, much bigger. Um, so I really always look to, you know, the other countries that had a deep rooted history in the sport and kind of identified more um, with myself in that. Um, and I, I really do think it was a unique case for me how deep my love was since I didn't come from a country that was so, so kind of rooted in, in that history. Did you get much opportunity to watch? Was there Premier League on the TV in America at that time for you to watch? No. So when I was young, um, like I kind of begged my parents to let me have like a TV in my room and the TV didn't have like normal channels. It just had a VCR. I'm like totally dating myself right now. But um, <laughs> we didn't have like football on TV like we do now in the U.S. Now in the U.S. you can pretty much watch any league on mm -hmm. on pretty mainstream channels, um, which I'm so jealous of for like kids growing up because for me, it was like I had to go into my soccer magazine and pick out like the greatest Manchester United goals from like, you know, 1998, <laughs> you know, and that's the kind of like education that I had to to have was putting in these VCRs of like, you know, the greatest teams and the greatest players. And I would just watch that over and over again. Um, but now it's, you know, so much easier. And one of my favorite parts about um, living in Europe and and I played in Europe before was just being able to watch football at the proper time that it's being played. <laughs> yeah. Because in the US, you're like waking up at absurd hours. And it's just it's just different. You know, when you get to finish your night with football, it's just like one of the best things ever. It's very true. We probably take that for granted a lot. But what is the time <laughs> difference in New Jersey? Well, it, on the East Coast, it's like between like five, six, seven, depending on like the yeah. time changes but on the west coast you're like talking about like waking up for a 4 30 game for the for the early matches which is just that's that's Ridiculous. a lot that's yeah. dedication yeah might as well just spend your night in the pub <laughs> yeah they actually open like like it's it's kind of rare but um they actually open the pubs like mad early for like the diehards <laughs> Perfect. Did you always want to be a professional, Tobin? Well, that didn't really exist. I always say like my kind of life has been like uh, a pioneering kind of spirit because of, of the career choice. It's like when I was born, women's professional soccer didn't exist. Um, and so like it was always just about kind of making the next team or, you know, moving up with the national team and stuff like that. Um, so it wasn't until later on in my life that that 
reality was even possible. So I guess for most, you know, young kids, they, you know, they always have that kind of goal, but that was never my goal. It was just like, I loved playing football and I wanted to keep playing and I wanted to keep getting better. And wherever that kind of took me um, was where I wanted to go. And, and it's kind of like all those things kind of just started happening as my career Mm -hmm. started, started evolving. And I think it's pretty powerful now that when, you know, a little girl now can dream of becoming a professional footballer, she has an example. Mm. That's not a man, you know, because that those were all my examples growing up. Yeah, of course. Did you have football at school? No, no, we had like, we had recess, but um, (laughs) no, we didn't have any kind of like, school sports until high school, which I think is Mm -hmm. college for, for you here. Yeah. Um, that's when you have like kind of school sports, but there's kind of like a divide between because we have like school sports and then we also have like kind of club sports. It, it's a little different, but there's <laughs> there's a lot of options. You always played some sort of sport, though, I presume at school because you had the love of a lot of sports. Well, I would say like I was always playing sports um, yeah. in general, but football was the only sport that I, I dedicated the only one for you yeah my life too so growing up through school when was the moment when you started to think you know football could be the life for me when when do you think that moment came for you um I don't think it it ever did come even now I don't really think that's the way that I th- think of of it honestly um I really think of it kind of as, you know, I dedicated myself to this craft that, you know, I love, um, but that obviously isn't something that you can do for the rest of your life as a player, as much as we'd all like to. Um, So, so in that way, I always just assumed that football was just like, kind of like a part of the path of my life. And what did you want to do when you were younger? Did you have a career in mind? Obviously you went to university, but did you have anything in mind that you wanted to do if it wasn't going to be football? No, I, I only wanted to play football. Um, I went to university to play football. Um, and that was all that I have dedicated myself to. Um, and obviously the possibilities um, of, you know, making, you know, better teams competing at higher levels and, and winning, you know, trophies was, was all that was kind of, on my mind and and what I really wanted to do. Tell us about going to college then. That was at North Carolina, is that correct? Yes. And what did you study there and what was it? It was a scholarship, I presume? Um, yeah, I I would say I studied football, but um, my, um, my degree was in communication. Um, I went to by far the best football school in in the country and you know, my fellow Tar Heel and Alessia Russo, um, she also went there, obviously. She just came from there. So it's always fun kind of talking about her experience yeah. there and, and what she liked about it. Um, and for, you know, for Americans, it, the collegiate system is, is really important to kind of your development, you know, as as kind of an adult um and is really influential, like on, on your life. And, and for me, it was, is one of the most influential times. And I got to play for one of the best, um, coaches ever. Um, so I, I feel really like it was a big part of my development in, in my career and, and as a person. 
You won a few trophies there as well, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, that's the expectation there. Um, it's insane how many trophies that that they've won. But um, I came in with a really special class, really talented class. And, and you know, our goal was to win four national championships out of four. And unfortunately, we only won three out of four. And I think for most people, you know, they're like, wow, that's incredible. But we really did. Right when we came into school, we said, like, we're going to win four and four out of four um, at a time when, you know, women's um, soccer in the country was becoming much more competitive on the collegiate level. But yeah, it was a, it was a fantastic experience. So do you look at that as disappointment then that you only got three out of four? Yeah, I think any. Um, well, for me personally, in my career, I I've always really had a high expectation of of winning. And yeah, I, I do find it to be a disappointment because the the pieces were were there for sure. And at that time, Tobin, you were involved in the international team as well, the international setup. Yeah, I, I so I grew up in the youth system since I was about thirteen years old. Um, made my way up and actually started playing with the senior team at at a young at a young age. And and while I was in um, when I was at North Carolina, I was able to compete in my first major tournament, which was the 2008 Olympics. Um, and so, yeah, and then obviously been playing for the national team for a long time now. Um, but if you what add was that, on... What was, that of, like, sorry, Tommy, <laughs> what was that like representing your country in the, in the Olympics? Yeah, it was, it was incredible. I think... Um, you know, it's funny because now I've played in like quite a few um, Olympics. So mm-hmm. each one is, is very different, uh, obviously, because of the host country and stuff like that. That's why it's like so beautiful um, of a, a competition. But um, my first Olympics was obviously Beijing. And this was kind of like their big coming out to the world. And it was incredible, like especially for that being my first uh, tournament, just it it just blew me away just the amount of uh i i don't even know just like the show of it was was incredible um and then obviously winning and just kind of having that that experience as a young young person um i think is important you know you don't necessarily play the the big role on the team that you will later play in your career but I think that kind of experience is invaluable for for you to continue growing and learning you know not only what it's like to be a professional but you know to have the expectations of your country mm-hmm. like on your shoulders um I think is is something really really powerful and and it's a responsibility that's you know taken very serious for us on on the national team how old were you sorry whenever you went there the first Olympics? I was 19. 19, wow. That's very young, isn't it? We had Wayne Rooney on our podcast a few weeks ago, and he said at the age of 16, he knew he was the best in the team. <laughs> Where would you have been in the pecking order of the best in the team then, at an early age? You know, I don't even think I ever thought that. Um, I think it's a, it's a little bit different when you join a team that is just like the most successful team in the world. Mm-hmm. It's hard to come in and say you're the best when they've clearly been winning without you. <laughs> yeah. um, for me, I was just a young kid that was super humble and, and thankful and, and wanted to learn and grow from the best players there were. 
So I don't even know where I was in the pecking order, probably the very bottom. I probably got picked last for that team. You know, <laughs> I think with every kind of tournament and roster that you make, you hope to kind of move you up, up and up. up. I think yeah. that's actually one of the most important like parts of like growth as a player is kind of a natural progression. Um, I think sometimes it's with the types of expectations um, for, for the team that we have, it would be a lot to, to have as a young player, those expectations. Mm -hmm. But luckily for us, we've always had kind of the talent and experience to be able to have more of a natural progression. Was there anybody you looked up to as a kid growing up or maybe 16, 17 thinking, wow, I'd love to be able to play like, like her or like him. I, or like the player that I always say is Ronaldinho. That that's the player that I looked up to, um, for me, like football was supposed to look and feel a certain way. And he demonstrated that, that kind of feeling that I always wanted to, to have on the pitch in the way that I wanted to entertain as well. And I will say I gravitated more to like South American, you know, style of football. Yeah, um, yeah. But I was obviously heavily influenced by the European game just because of where I'm from. Have you always played the same position, Tobin? Has that changed throughout your life? You know, I feel like the modern game, like, has changed so much. Like, when I look back at, like, how I was being used and the positions that I was being played in when I was younger, um, I was more of a midfielder, I would say, for, you know, probably longer than, like, half my professional career. And I would say as, as we started becoming, like, more of a fast-paced, like, high, like, risk reward you know like players playing higher up on the field you know I've been moved into more of a forward position which has been a lot of fun um, but I would say when I started my career I was certainly more of a midfielder and, and more of a, a playmaker and, and a step back from the front line. But you've always liked to have the number seven on your your back? You know, that kind of started happening is um, with the Nash team. Like, I love the number seven. Um, I had the number 98 as as a kid. Um, it was just like a random story. But my first ever like club team when I was young that I got to um, choose my number for, um, I was playing, I was a younger player and coming into a team that had already been established and the coach asked me like, Oh, what, what number do you want to be? And I didn't really care. So I was like nine and he was like, Oh, nine's taken. And he was like, what other number would you want to be? And I was like, I couldn't even count at that point. I don't even think I was like eight. And, and he was like, Oh, eight's taken too. He was like, why don't we just make you 98? And I was like, cool. <laughs> and, um, so I was actually 98 all the way through, um, university. I wore, wore that number. And, um, it was it was a weird number, but um, I liked it um, in terms of like positionally, like I always saw myself as a seven and um, I, I, well, the way it goes on the national team is like these numbers are just like really hard to kind of establish yourself. They don't get like passed around by players. It's like you kind of have a number through your whole national team career. Yeah. So my first number that I played with in a major tournament was 13, and that was passed down 
um, to me from Christine Lilly. She actually was like, hey, I want you to wear, you know, my number. And it was really a nice gesture. And, and I felt really moved because she was a player that I had massive amounts of respect for. But like, I hated the number. I absolutely hated it. So I, <laughs> I wore the number through through that Olympics, you know, cause I couldn't really say like, no, thank you. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I actually, um, another player on the team after that, that tournament had, you know, stepped away and the number 17 was available. And Alex Morgan at the time had come to me and was like, I would really love the number 13. Like it was her number from a, a child and I was like, please, please take it. This is great. Um, and and um, the number 17 opened up and it was the best number that I could have like thought at that point, you know, with the kind of the players and the numbers that I like and where they were at in their career. So, yeah, I took 17 and and I really it's been a great number for me on the national team. But I've always wanted to wear the number seven. And it's hard when you like kind of get known for for a number but yeah when I came to United um the number seven and the number 17 were both um occupied and um and so I took 77 which I'm, I'm very very happy with so you've got your seven and you've got two of them now yeah I call it double sevens <laughs> <laughs> so it's all worked out perfectly. Um, I'm going to go back a little bit to 2010. In that year, you were the first pick overall in the WPS. Is yes. Correct. Do you remember that moment and what that was like for you? And if anybody is listening who doesn't understand the system, if you could just explain it to us in simple terms. Yeah, sure. It's kind of this wild American thing that we do um, out of college athletics where you then when you become a professional you get drafted um and you know obviously can go many rounds but um I think when you're playing college soccer you are playing I guess to be drafted number one um I think there's many more better implications for you know the sport the higher paid sports because it means a lot more but I think it's more so for the pat on the back to say like oh good job you are number one yeah it's incredible um, achievement though yeah yeah it was um yeah it was great especially like I said um I really feel like my my class um was so so talented and even now you know I'm still playing with some players in my class on the national team um so it was a, a great achievement and and something I'd worked really hard for. So did you get the choice? Do you get the choice to go to a certain club or once they pick you, is that it? Yeah, no, the way the draft works is like, there's also team orders. Um, so a certain team has the number one draft pick and you know, there's a bunch of crazy stuff that can happen like trades and stuff like that in order to get for teams to get higher up in the draft. Um, but I was drafted to a new franchise, which was the Atlanta beat. Um, in the WPS. And then obviously the, the WPS then folded um, like two years, two years after that. So, um, so the league then changed to what is now um, the NWSL. How far is Atlanta from where you were before? Um, and, for, and from your hometown as well? Yeah, so I was I was really fortunate. So it's it's considered, it's far from where I live. Um, it's considered the South. Um, 
I was fortunate because I actually have family that that's there. Um, so that was really cool to be able to spend time with family that I don't normally see. Um, but it definitely culturally was was very different than than where I was from. When you played for Atlanta, you picked up an ankle injury. How bad was that? Um, pretty bad. I, I had to get surgery um, and that was my first kind of experience as a, as a professional. And it was also right before so sorry, I have to like, I'm so bad with dates. So it was also right before I was trying to make the 2011 World Cup team. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was actually a decision that had to be made in order to kind of prioritize making that team, um, which I then um, was able to recover well and, and, and make that team. So that was really big. It's a little different with our kind of club national team system because our national team is very much prioritized over club, which is a little different. We spend a really good amount of time together. It almost feels more like a club team than, than a national team. And so I would say there's, there's not really that same balance as, as you have here where, you know, you, you show up for traditional FIFA windows and stuff like that. We really spend a a good amount of time together outside of those windows in order to prepare for for our tournaments. That was obviously a big injury when you were younger and sadly you're currently sidelined with an injury as we speak. Do you ever have moments where you question if you can come back from these setbacks? I don't really kind of look at things as finite. I kind of, I guess if anything, like I feel like those types of, I always say setbacks or setups for comebacks and mm. It's just like another, honestly, I, I really do think it helps develop perseverance, determination, you know, having to struggle. Like I think struggling and resilience are like such important characteristics for an athlete because mm-hmm. yeah. you're choosing to play a sport where, I mean, if you've played as long as I have, you're going to have so many setbacks. And if mm-hmm. you if you want to have a, a long and successful career, you're going to have to learn to really persevere and and change your perspective of things. And if you can actually kind of switch your mindset to looking at the positives and and looking at your development from a different lens, it's actually extremely powerful and you get to see the game from from a different perspective. Are you saying that now, because you're in your 30s, did you think the same way back then in your 20s? Or do you cope with things a little bit differently now that you are older and you do have a different perspective? Yeah, I think obviously I have, you know, like a little bit more wisdom now on yeah. on these matters. <laughs> but I do think like I had a good head on my shoulders. I had good people around me. I had people that really um, cared about me and um, were focused not just on like my career. I think it's more um, developing yourself as as a person and, and being strong and, and independent and ultimately, it was just self-belief in, in my dreams and and what I felt like I was capable of doing as a footballer. Um, and I don't think that ever wavered. And I think that was just from my passion and love of the game. I don't think there was anything that could really, really stop me from doing what I wanted to do. So you came back from your ankle injury. And then as you touched on before the WPS folded there was a little bit of confusion around what was maybe going to happen did you worry about things at that time where your life was going in football no I don't think I really like worry too much um it's not like really my style um 
But I will say that that's when I was like, all right, like where, where is football going next? You know, I feel like I've always kind of had like one eye, like a little bit further out as to like kind of the trends of, of things and the way that I wanted to push myself. I kind of felt like in a way I was a little like that kind of American soccer was getting a little stale for me, like that I needed a little bit of a change. I'd been kind of in the same kind of systems, hearing the same things for, for a while. And I think that's why it kind of came at a good point for me. So obviously the league folded and we had the 2012 Olympics, which this beautiful country hosted. And um, that was great. We did well. And then in that moment when, you know, there was kind of a gap between leagues, it was a great moment for me to do what I wanted to do, which was challenge myself and go overseas and and learn and be around a different culture. Um, which was obviously just so expansive. So you enjoyed that experience? Yeah, I mean, it was so, um, it's so different now that I've come here, but I think because of the language barrier and the culture is very different and, you know, I was a lot younger and I was obviously by myself. Um, I I felt like it was such a challenge, like even little day-to-day things was such a challenge. And it was like, I woke up and, you know, the things that you that are so re- like ready and like easy for you, it was like so exciting. Like every day was like a n- brand new day with like <laughs> a million challenges. And I feel like my mind, like I just feel like my head was just like growing. And um, it was it was really, really cool. And it was it was challenging. It was hard for being far from home. And, you know, you have like so many obstacles but in terms of an experience I always you know try to encourage younger players to go overseas because it's just so eye-opening you know we we learn the games completely different like we speak about things different we train differently um and I was just able to take so much from my time there and really grow um mostly like as a professional um because up until that point, I feel like my kind of idea of like professional club soccer was very much like similar to my collegiate experience. It wasn't, it didn't necessarily feel like a job. It felt like something that, you know, I just like enjoyed doing. Mm -hmm. But when I went over to Europe was the first time that football for me felt like, felt like a job. And I I really liked that feeling. Did you speak any French at the time? That's what I was just going to ask. Yeah, um, I had to. Um, I had to learn as quickly as possible because PSG at the time didn't have, we only spoke French. Our, our My teammates, there were only a few teammates that spoke English and other than like the internationals and just my coaches, they refused to speak English. So um, it was it was a very, very big learning experience. How do you go in a dressing room then? Yeah, it's it's incredible. I mean, you you realize, well, thank goodness for like football, because there's just like a common language. There's a common understanding, you know, like, you know how things are supposed to work and feel. And like even in in practice and stuff like you catch on to like the language so much easier in football terms because you have something to compare it to. Um, But then, like you said, like dressing room culture, stuff like that, it, it was just it was way more difficult. You know, I think the internationals on that team, we really stuck closely together. We were a tight knit Mm. group because it's like when you can't, you can only speak to a few people, you know, you kind of hang on to, to those moments. But, um, we were really challenged in terms of the language. Um, and, 
and yeah, it, it was a ton of fun. Tobin, whenever I look at your career and the dates, it just seems like every year is just there's so much happening for you. You know, you just mentioned the 2012 Olympics. You're at you're at PSG. 2013, you then go back to Portland. Yeah, like your your career just seemed to have something exciting happening continuously. Did you feel that way at the time, or were you just thinking that this is just what I'm doing? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's my my personality. I like, I crave, like, I think I'm just a curious person. So I crave kind of like a new setting, a new challenge, a new opportunity, a new experience. Um, and and I've, I feel like that's kind of what my football career has looked like. And I think because of the cyclical nature of, you know, world championships, it's allowed for, for those kind of ebbs and flows for mm-hmm. me to like experience a lot in the game. And I feel like I have experienced a lot, both, you know, domestically and, and internationally, um, which, which I'm super thankful for, but I definitely feel like I'm always, I'm always kind of looking for the, for the next challenge. The accolades on your career are absolutely incredible. I just want to touch a little bit more on your international career. The bond that you've had with your teammates over all of those years in the international setup must be incredible. Yeah, it it is incredible. I mean, some of these players I've been playing with since I was like 12 years old um, and you've grown up with them um, and seen them kind of evolve as people and evolve as footballers is really special. And then just in terms of like those experiences that we've been through together, you know, like the major wins, the major losses, um, it really feels so much like a family I mean I've spent more time with these people than I have my own family so they know me a lot better but um it's just so deep those those types of experiences and you know I'm lucky to have such incredible teammates um to not only just play with but to have um supported me and and vice versa um it is a it is an incredible bond um what sport does you know in terms Mm -hmm. of that and Maisie knows about this, but what's it like to always be the team to beat in those competitions? Does that bring a lot of pressure for you guys? I, I don't even think we we even think about it like that because it's just been so normal. Um, we always say that the greatest competition that we have is is internally in our own squad. I mean, it's so hard to 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 be not only to have the success that we've had you know from the outside but to continue to be a part of a team that is just constantly like going for that next level um and to have that as an individual as well um the players that can hang in that environment for a long time there's just such a mutual respect amongst um the players that have been able to do that because it's so incredibly hard and it's so incredibly um, competitive and you have to almost get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think that's what it's like when you're the team. I don't think we ever kind of are like, we're always trying as a team to push our own barriers instead of just kind of playing against other teams. We're always seeing how we kind of evolve as a team and the way that women's football is going in the world is it's changing so quickly so many more resources are being put into it so that's constantly going to get harder but it's like the team is just made for to to just push and evolve and 
um, yeah, it, it's it's crazy. And what you've done for women's football, you know, just talking there of your mentality as a group. Tell us about the fight for equal recognition in the game, especially when it came to gender discrimination and pay. Yeah, I think we have become synonymous with with this fight. Um, you know, it it's such a testament to the team and to to the players, not just the current players, but the past players. It is this torch that has continued to be passed down um, by each generation of, of leaders is to continue to push the game forward to create more opportunity. And, and for us, the reason why we're even able to do it is because of our success on the field. Mm-hmm. It's not like somebody can say, well, you should have won one more, you know. Um, we've, we've won everything possible and we continue to fight and we've seen what it's done, you know, for, for the sport and for other federations that can now have an example. And by pushing the ceiling, you know, there's two ways, you know, you bring up the bottom, but you also have to push the ceiling. And we constantly are trying to push the ceiling to bring up the bottom and be an example that people can point to and say, hey, like, we need this, this team has that. And it's important for us. And, and just not only in terms of sport, but worldwide, obviously gender discrimination, we're trying to to fight and it's important for us to be an example that that all people can look to and mm-hmm. feel inspired by and uh, and it's funny because you know just by us being excellent at what we do has given us the, such a big opportunity to um, be so much more um, than what I think we originally intended when we first started kicking a ball about you seem so to me you seem so chilled out and relaxed are you always like that or are you just forever driving on and wanting to better yourself? You just seem such a chilled out person. Do you, do you get nervous before games or anything or tournaments? Or how do you look at games and stuff? Um, you, you, no. you seem like that, horizontal. <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, I'm very much like this. Um, I would say on the field, people definitely see a different side of me yeah. uh, than off the field. Um but no, I don't really have any of that. I think it's just like I feel such a comfortability in what I do in football that like I love games. I, I love that opportunity to entertain, to, you know, do what you've seen in your dreams every single night. You know, I, I relish that. And, you know, as I've gotten older and, you know, you're you don't see as much in front of you as what was behind you. Sure. I just... I just like, I love games, like, and I love football and any, that next opportunity I get to play, you know, it's just, it's just such an awesome feeling being able to do what, what you love and, and to kind of, I guess, express yourself in, in such a natural way. So do you get nervous before games? No, definitely not. Not at all? No. No butterflies, just? No. (laughs) I actually, um, I'll tell you. uh... That's brilliant. I love it. I do. It's great. (laughs) <laughs> what were you going to tell us, Tobin? Oh, I was going to tell a little something that I do. Um, I don't. I don't think I ever said this before, but before a national team game, um, I always do this thing during the national anthem. You know, when you put your hand over your heart, I always um, see how low I can get my heart rate, just for the fun of it. <laughs> just to see how calm you actually are. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Just, what, have you, just, what, have, what have you got it down to? Oh, well, I mean, like, I obviously don't have the numbers, uh, but no, no. Um, it's just something that, That's like, so cool. I just think it's, like, a cool thing to, 
you know, be able to take an experience that's supposed to be like, you know, so may like we make up these these things in mm-hmm. our minds and these feelings and we attach so much meaning onto things but to try to like kind of make something seem like so like you're walking out to training you know i think it's like a really cool cool thing that's so cool so now every time everybody watches you yeah, <laughs> yeah. during the national anthem <laughs> hopefully that gets edited that can get edited that's that's class that's brilliant that's so good <laughs> You talked about your dreams there, Tobin, in your career. Were Manchester United ever in your dreams? Obviously, you know, the the professional team wasn't around for Man United when you were a little girl, but was was that part of your dreams in the last few years? Yeah, so I, I definitely, so in kind of like my one eye looking a little bit out there, I, uh, I definitely wanted to come over to this league and I was thinking later in my career I would do it um, and obviously because of the circumstances everything you know changed and I was given this awesome opportunity and certainly I wanted to experience football over here. Obviously Manchester United's team is, is relatively young and I remember you know, reading that they had gotten a women's team. And I had actually told my teammate, like, I was like, this is just such a game changer, like a club like this, such a massive club coming into the league is just like such a signal, like about the game over here and and the change and and the growth. And and that really interested me. Um, And and it is really it's been a really really like fun time learning about the league and you know obviously the weight of the badges over here are just just immense how did you move to united come about you know it came about relatively quickly um you when everything kind of was shutting down and obviously like the league was because our league is like kind of a different season we play through the summer as opposed to vice versa so when when the league was shutting down and then you guys were obviously going to be starting up in in September I had wanted to see if there was any interest out in in Europe in general and um, there was some interest and um, obviously it's a big moving overseas is big no matter what but you know moving overseas during a pandemic adds a whole nother layer onto things um, when there's so much uncertainty in the world. And, you know, I had to just trust and have a lot of faith that, you know, this was where I was supposed to be. Um, and I had a really good feeling about it. Um, I had asked around a bit and and had heard some some really good things, positive things that I want to hear as a player in terms of aligned with with who I am and, and the type of um, kind of ambition I have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of those things that you kind of just have to trust that the that it's going to be good for for your career and um, coming over it's been it's been fantastic how was your conversation with Casey then <laughs> um, yeah it was don't worry, um, we, we, we can edit all this you know don't worry about <laughs> that you know <laughs> Yeah, it was it was actually um, well, you guys obviously know how Casey is, you know, she's so dry and like matter of fact and like straight to the point. And it, it was it was definitely interesting because I feel like, you know, for in in the US, like I feel like we're just like a little bit more kind of like. I don't even know if this is true, like dramatic and like about things. So we'd be like, oh, like this is the best thing ever. And we're going to like <laughs> do all these things for you and you're going to like love it. And I just feel like Casey's just like 
you know, straight to the point, like, this is who we are. This is what we want to do. This is how I feel like you can contribute. And it's like, I, I come from a place that's like very blue collar, very like you put your head down, you get to work. And, you know, that's one of the like, fundamentals of of how I am as a professional is you know I'm very dedicated to my craft and like I've never felt like I've arrived and I really felt um in that moment that there was just I don't want to be treated any differently you know than than a, a young player a player that hasn't had the chances that I've had to to develop like I want to come in and I want to come in with that same you know bright eyes to learn and to grow um and I felt like when, when I spoke to her, it wasn't like, oh, we're going to do this for you and we're going to do that for you. It was like, this is the team. This is how we are. And this is how, how you can fit in. And, and I, re- I really liked that and I really respected it. When did you get to meet your t- teammates? I presume that you quarantined for two weeks when you first arrived? Yeah, those those 14 days were really hard. Oh my goodness, I'm sure. Yeah, I think like, especially when you come over, like you just want to kind of start, you know, and there was just yeah. a bit of a pause. And I, I remember the first, the first week of training was actually during an international break. So almost half the team, you know, was away on international duty, which actually was, was quite nice because I felt like we came in and we got to meet the team as a smaller group and really got it to, got to like kind of get our feet wet and, and figure everything out. Um, and it was like a little bit more intimate and then all the players came back and the dressing room here is just incredible. Um, the, the players are, I mean, from day one, um, Chris and I just kind of looked at each other and we were like, wow, this is super special. We had never experienced anything like like the feeling that we had and the reception that we had um from the players and and from the staff and and that's a really nice feeling to have when you've just completely moved your whole entire life to a different place yeah of course what what made it special about your teammates about the welcome what was so special about that what what do you mean by that yeah I think it's just the people and you know, at first, you know, when you come to a, a new place, you feel like people are just putting on a good face for you, you know, but then, you know, when you start ripping away the layers and there's just like, <laughs> it just doesn't look as good anymore. Um, but did, just you have from, to have, um, did you have an initiation? <laughs> I wouldn't say as much as an initiation, but Casey always does. Um, she's like known for these um, like team team activities kind of, um, that she does. And I remember one of the first kind of big interactions we had with the team was like one of these activities where, you know, you kind of break off into groups and you have to do things that like, you know, you have to stand up and be a little bit uncomfortable. And I feel like it was one of those initiation type moments where everybody's like, Oh, I wonder how they'll react to these types of situations, you know? And yeah, it was, it was a fun, fun kind of welcoming. What did you have to do? I think this one was like you had to like get up and draw pictures or get up and I don't think there was singing involved. I think you would remember if you had to get up and sing. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's usually what it is, you know, so you're kind of prepared for that. Do you have a go-to song? (laughs) I don't. I I don't even know what the... Oh, I think I did Adele Hello, the last song I ever had to sing. That's a difficult one. (laughs) That's why you do it, you know? You just have to be like... Yeah. 
Get it's impossible. Yeah. The thing is, yeah. everyone's going to sing along to that one. So I can understand why you've chosen that one. Yeah, it, it's true. And I think it would have been even more powerful here because, you know, she's such an icon here. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so you settled in with your teammates well and the coaching staff. But when you finally made your first appearance against Brighton back in October as a sub, what was that feeling like for you? Yeah, I think it was just, I was so happy to finally play a game. It had been so long and just to, like, there's just something about, I mean, you experience this with injury too. Like when the game has been taken away from you for some reason, you know, obviously a pandemic I hadn't experienced before. Um, but when the game has been taken away from you, your first kind of like feeling back is just like euphoric in a way. You're just like, oh, all is right, you know, like my feet are on the ground, like I'm running around. Um, and, and yeah, so I think there was just like such a, like emotional, like, I guess, like joy to that experience. And, and also like, I feel like when those first games back, it's almost like you just want to kind of check it, you know, like first game back, check, you know, and then you can kind of just like go. <laughs> so that was your first appearance, but your first goal came against West Ham. And that also, that month, you got nominated for the goal of the month. You must have really felt at that time, right, I'm here, I'm settled, I'm doing what I do best. Yeah, I think it's still, um, like, it was still very much a learning of, you know, how am I going to fit in with the team? How am I going to make the team successful? How, like, how do, how do I, f I fit in here? Um, and that's, you know, you know, sh going through things in, in practice and figuring out and then in the game, you know, like not doing maybe the right movement or not finding the right spaces that everybody is used to playing in and kind of like almost getting more things wrong than right. And it's like once you start to like get the right things and start doing then more things right than wrong and kind of get on the same page as your teammates and the coaches and the way that kind of football is played here and, and kind of the way the opponents are, that's when it starts to kind of feel good because you're like, okay, that was the right thing, you know? Uh, and that's what I enjoy doing. Like I love kind of that like problem solving in football um, to figure out, you know, how, how to help the team and, and how to, you know, use my, my strengths to, to be successful. So, so obviously the first goal is always like one of those things where you're like, all right, that was, that was right. You know, mm -hmm. Tobin, it's, um, it, looking at the squad, it is a young squad. Obviously you're 32, you're the elder state person in the, in the squad. Do you, do you look to yourself now and think, well, I have to pass all my experience back over to the young kids now? Do you, do you become the senior pro there? Yeah, I mean, this was this is actually the first team that I've ever been the oldest player on. So I think that was definitely a, a nice introduction. The eldest elder, I really like that one. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was I was being kind to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it is a, a young squad. Um, I think I do a bit of that naturally. Looking at the experience you've had over your career. World Cup, Olympics, winning things. Yeah, I, I do think that I'm not so much of like a tell person like, oh, back in this no, World yeah, Cup, yeah. this yeah. happened. <laughs> it's just not really my style. Um, but like I do believe in, you know, teaching and helping. And, you know, if I see a player that I don't want a player to go down a path that I've seen before that I know doesn't work or, or when I see yeah. something where I'm like, oh, 
you can do better. Like I love encouraging my teammates. I love, you know, seeing them do something like well for the first time and and seeing them evolve. Mm -hmm. Like even in my short time here, I've seen so many players evolve so much, um, which it's just such a cool feeling. Um, It's definitely when you're older, you, I think you enjoy it more. Um, Of course you do, yeah. But yeah, I, I hope that, you know, all the little pieces that, for me, I always watched and I studied the older players that I admired because I wanted to be just as successful, if not more. And and I hope people he, people are taking those little bits and, and enjoying that time. We are going to let you go. Just before you do go, I know obviously it's been totally different for you without fans, but has Manchester United lived up to the expectations that you had of it before you arrived? Uh, certainly. I mean... I don't really know football without fans. It's it's really difficult for me emotionally. I think most footballers right now, it's really hard. Um, But in terms of my experiences here, it has completely lived up to it. And, you know, more so it would be great to add, you know, those things that's been taken away. But but I think we're all thankful to be able to watch and, and to play the sport that we love so much. Tobin, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Thank you for taking the time with us. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Well, Maisie, it's nice to hear that Manchester United has lived up to her expectations. And what a lovely girl. She's so, so she lovely. is. I mean, I, I know some horizontal people who are laid, so laid back, but she's so laid back. She's so cool. And I love that little saying that she has. She always has one eye higher further away to see other things in the future that's mm-hmm. so cool and just the fact that you were like do you ever get nervous no like I not know. even a little bit no not even not cool even. as a cucumber yeah so cool as a cucumber that during the national anthem she that's unbelievable <laughs> she likes to put listen a hand to her on, her on a badge yeah. and, and feel happy Crank the beats see, see how low she can get it that's like that's just can i just say so cool. that after listening to this podcast I think a lot of people are going to be doing that now, do you? Do you think this could be a, a trend? Do you know what? What a great way yeah. to calm your nerves before a game. To so think, true, isn't yeah, it? It's brilliant. Mine would be racing like God knows what. Yeah, I'm sure most people's would be. I, I can't believe I can't believe she doesn't get nervous. Yeah. But, hey, that rubs off. That rubs off on other players. And one thing, one thing is, if, if you don't get nervous before games... You save energy, don't you? It's that nervous energy people talk about. Yeah. We just didn't even get time to talk about so much more in her Manchester United career. But what I thought was interesting was when she talked about Casey. You know, she's maybe used to being in America. She's such a big name there. Mm. You come to Manchester United (laughs) and probably very similar to the way Sir Alex Ferguson was. Everybody is treated equal. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And and she she says that, doesn't she? She, You know, she just mentions Mm -hmm. that. These, this is what we want from you. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And it is it is the right way to do it. You know, you don't want people mm-hmm. blowing smoke up your backside saying you're going to be doing this, you're our superstar. It's just so so level-headed of cases to do that to any player. Mm-hmm. And you're not just talking about any player. You're talking about Toby Neath, who's won everything. Mm-hmm. A superstar. And that's how you build a team, isn't it? People playing for each other by doing it that way. I really, really enjoyed that interview. Yeah. Obviously, she does have a bit of an injury now. She is going through I know. Do, rehab, do you know what? But... Do you know what's the worst thing about that podcast was that we had to cut it short because we had so many other questions, so much more chat to go at. But she's in rehab, so she had to shoot back and get 
get the physio. Getting back from injury is more important than us, really, isn't it? Uh, let's be honest. Of course it is. But yeah, she could have done it from the treatment table, like. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I really, really enjoyed that one. I did. Shall we do some emails? Sure. Do you want to read one, Maisie, the first one there? Here's one here from the Wiley Fox or Willie Fox, whichever one, you, whichever way you want to. Hi, everyone. I'm George. Wiley Fox. And he says he's called George. Oh, my word. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So here's one from the Wiley Fox or it could be George. He's the United from... from Why are you not just calling him Willie? Willie Fox or the Wiley Fox. Is that not... No? Okay. <laughs> Wiley Fox? The Wiley Fox, yeah, because like a little sneaky fox, isn't it? Anyway, um, hi everyone. I'm George, a United for our, uh, United fan from Kampala, Uganda, and I've been following and listening to the podcast since it started in 2019. Thanks for the great work putting up the podcast. I'd love to hear from Eric Bailly and Aaron Wambisaka. They'd be pretty good, to be fair. They would. I'd like to get Eric on because he is a great player. I imagine he's quite a character as well. Yes. Thank you very much for your email. I'm just wondering whether George is a Wiley Fox, because at the top it does say Wiley Fox. It says Willie Fox. Why do you keep saying that? I know, because I don't think George can spell Wiley, so he's put Willie. I have never heard of the phrase Wiley Fox. <laughs> Has anyone oh, else? Tasker. Yeah, I have to be fair. See. The Wiley Fox. The Wiley Fox. See, there you go, Evans. Get on with it. Carl Pedersen. Hello, I'm a supporter from Norway. I have been a Manchester United supporter since early 2000s. I hope if you can get Anthony Martial in, that would be fun. Keep up the good work with the podcast. Thank you very much indeed, Carl. One more from Steve Newton. I absolutely love the podcast and cannot wait for Tuesday mornings as that's when I listen at work with my brother Jim in the not-so-exotic Macclesfield. Well, some may argue with that, Jim. And Steve, I've been a United fan since I can remember and will be forever. Just listen to the Mickey Thomas episode and I can't get over his stories. He is an inspiration to everyone. What a journey he has had. I'm so happy he is on the mend after all he's been through with his surgery and illness. You all do an amazing job. Keep up the good work. I'd love to hear, obviously, Sir Alex, Bex, Buddy or Cristiano on the podcast, but I reckon McFeelan would be a good one. Anyway, all the best from Steve in Macclesfield. Thank you very much indeed, Steve. And that's your lot, Maisie. Yeah, another good day at the office. Another great day at the office indeed. Thank you if you've made it all the way to the end listening to us. Remember, if you want to get in touch, you can email us at unitedpodcast at manunited.co.uk. That address is in the notes for this episode if you need it. Also a reminder that you can watch the box set of all of our episodes of the United Podcast on MUTV with new episodes airing every Friday. And we'll see you again next week. Have a great week, Maisie. And you. Take care, mate.